Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. All right, guys, happy Friday. It's True Crime Friday, and I'd like to begin this episode by asking you this question. If a young woman is drunk and a young man is drunk and the two of them come together to have drunk sex, has a crime occurred? Do men bear more of the responsibility when it comes to making sure that a woman is sober enough to consent? What is being sober enough to consent? Let's talk about that tragic case coming out of Louisiana. All that and more today coming up on Candace Owens, Friday Files. So I have been very interested in the topic of intoxicated sex. And the reason why I'm interested in it is because you know my stance on the Me Too movement and how many people came out of the woodwork to claim that they were sexually assaulted or raped or not sober enough to consent. And I don't mind that conversation, by the way. I think it's a very important one for us to have. There is such a thing as way too drunk to consent. But the question becomes, obviously, if both parties are drunk, why does one side bear the responsibility? Is it okay for just men to bear the responsibility if a woman and a man is drunk and they both wake up the next morning and then a woman says, oh, I wasn't sober enough to consent, and she goes to the police? Well, maybe he also wasn't sober enough to consent, right? Is that a fair enough conversation for us to have? I'm asking you this question because there is a horrific case coming out of Louisiana. It is no doubt a tragedy. And I want to ask my listeners to be very kind in the comments, to keep the comments professional, academic, uh, and just understanding that there's a person that's dead. And this woman is very young. She's 19 years old. And that all the people that are involved in this particular case are teenagers. And all of them in some capacity, have had their lives ruined because of one night of drinking. And so just keep that in mind. I just want to make sure that none of the comments are nasty. And I want to also make it clear that I don't have a conclusion here. I'm just opening up the conversation. This particular case is pertaining to a young woman, Maddie Brooks. She's 19 years old, and she died after she was hit by a rideshare car at 3 a.m. on January 15th of this year after four men dropped her off on the side of the road. They dropped her off somewhere uh, after they picked her up from a bar. Now, I want to give you the details of this because they were not the ones who hit her in the car. They were not the people that you can blame directly for her death, obviously. But they they have all been arrested and tried. Two of them have been tried with first-degree rape, and the other two are being charged as accomplices to third-degree rape following rape. Now, I want to walk you through exactly what happened that night. There is no doubt that there was a lot of drinking. And the reason that these young men have been arrested is not because she came forward and said that she was raped, but because uh, obviously after examining her body after she died, they were able to determine that she had recently had sex and that her blood alcohol level was way too high for her to have consented. So this was determined by the state. This was not determined by her necessarily. I just want to make that clear because I just want to present you with all of the facts. So what happened that night, and they were able to discern this by reviewing the footage, 
at the bar, a bar in which Maddie appears to have worked at, is she met that group at the bar. She she herself arrived there at 10.06 p.m. And the boys, one named Carver, one of them is named Kaysen Carter, 18 years old, Everett Lee, 28 years old, Kayvon Washington, 18 years old, and an unidentified 17-year-old arrived at 10.18, just a few minutes behind her. Officers say in their affidavit that at 1 a.m., Maddie was seen sitting on a stool by the counter at the bar before stumbling and got back to her feet with the help of those men. Obviously, some time elapsed. At 1.34 a.m., she was seen sitting on a bench by the entrance door before falling again. The teenager approached her, this is a 17-year-old, removed her cap and helped her get to her feet. The entire group, all of them, were seen leaving the bar at 1.49 a.m. So again, they all showed up at around 10.06, between 10 and 10.18. And then they left the bar, the four of them together, at 1.49 a.m. With the vehicle last being seen at 1.59 a.m. Carver, obviously they have, as I said, they've all been charged. Carver told the police that the 17-year-old and Washington— that's Kayvon Washington, the 18-year-old, both had sex with the victim in the back seat of the car. Maddie was then dropped off less than a 10-minute journey away from the bar and just five miles away from her sorority house before she was then hit by the rideshare car at 2.50 a.m. Carver added that Maddie gave verbal consent five times to the 17-year-old before he had sex with her in the back of the car with Kayvon Washington, then swapping with the teenager to also have sex with the victim. Now, as I said, this is a terrible tragedy. My heart goes out to her parents um, and just to the entire community for this happening. It's a, it's a devastating thing to happen. It's a beautiful young girl. You see photos of her. She seems like she was fun, loving, and that is obviously and understandably pulling at the heartstrings of the entire community. Now, again, I'm going to say that it was the medical examiner that had determined that she had recently had sex, and they have come clean about the fact that, yes, she had sex with two of the young men, but discerning that she was raped and using that term obviously could not have come for her because she had passed away. And in the absence of Maddie, the state has also removed the license of the bar because they were serving drinks to people that were underage, Maddie being among them, a 17-year-old drinking at this bar. We obviously know, again, she was she attended LSU. She was a member of a sorority, Alpha Phi. And so we obviously know that this is a college scene. I want to pause there and just talk about college in general because let's not be foolish and pretend that we don't know that underage and binge drinking happens on college campuses. We should be honest with ourselves and say that we've probably the majority of us have participated in it. I certainly have, so let me not mark myself as the authority on whether or not children should be drinking underage. I participated in the same event. I mean, when my father was in school, it was legal. You were allowed to start drinking when you were 18 years old. Now it's until 21. Me and all of my friends had fake IDs. So what is missing from this story is we do not know whether or not these two high school students, by the way, two of them are in high school, whether or not these individuals, Maddie herself, were all using fake IDs, you would presume Maddie could not use a fake ID if she was, in fact, drinking, which has not been clear, made clear yet in these articles, whether or not she drank before or whether or not she drank at the bar. We don't know whether or not they were presented with fake IDs. We do know that being located close to a campus, 
there is probably some understanding by these bar owners that underage drinking is happening at their bar and maybe they weren't being the most diligent. But yeah, my ID, it's scanned. There's no reason for a bouncer not to let me in on the basis of I, I was actually using a family member's ID and we completely got wasted. It was a thing that we did in college. I actually remember one night where I quite literally stumbled. I did a somersault into the bar right after my ID got checked. Just being honest, right? And in the haze of the next day, I didn't remember the somersaults. And then a couple of days, you know, drinking is weird. When you get that drunk, you kind of can't remember anything the next day. And then memories kind of start to come back into your mind. Like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Again, this is commonplace stuff. Nothing here in terms of people drinking underage at a bar nearby a college campus is out of the ordinary, right? But of course, is out of the ordinary, perhaps out of the ordinary, uh, is that she left this bar with a bunch of men and she had sex with two of them in a car. One of them is claiming that she gave consent multiple times, at least to the 17-year-old, who even knows that that was his first time having sex. It's, yeah, and that they were laughing at her because she was so drunk. Now, how do we know that she was laughing at her? That they were laughing at her while she was having sex with them? Well, in defense, right, this video has appeared. It turns out that one of the boys videotaped her. Now, I don't know why the suspects were filming her, but what I can tell you is that at least according to the defense attorney who gave up this piece of evidence, they were not filming her in any sex acts. There was no video recording of her having sex. There's just moments before she gets out of the car, which they believe shows that she was a consenting individual and that she was not unconscious or drunk out of her mind, right? The lawyer who represents Washington in the case argued that what happened to Maddie was a tragedy, but it was definitely not a crime. He claimed that there was an argument and she got out of the car and said that the men did not put her off on the side of the road. So they willingly gave up this video, believing that it would exonerate them of this crime. There was, they didn't have to. They, they were already being tried in the absence of a video, just because the medical examiner had determined, yes, this girl could not have possibly consented because her alcohol level was too high. So they thought, this is an easy way for us to be exonerated. We're going to produce this piece of evidence, which exonerates us. But in this footage, they were laughing, and the judge didn't like that. The judge came back and ruled that the video footage of a drunk sorority student filmed by her suspected rapist is damning evidence that a crime did occur just days after the lawyers argued that it would exonerate them. That's interesting. Why does the lawyer feel that he should put forth this video and give it to them because it would exonerate the victims, and yet the judge comes back and says, absolutely not. Is the lawyer lying? Or is the judge being emotional because hearing laughter and knowing that a young girl is dead just would not sit right with him. We just go, this is terrible. This girl is dead. Yeah, even the idea that somebody was filming this is completely despicable. And so I'm going to throw the book at you. Is the judge acting rationally or is he acting emotionally? Is the lawyer acting rationally or is the lawyer acting emotionally? We don't know. And we're never going to know. Obviously, I, I highly doubt that they would ever allow a video of this girl's last moments to hit the Internet, especially given the fact that so many of these people involved are incredibly young. But what we do know for a fact is that these individuals did not kill Maddie. So why did she get out of the car? That's a good question. Why did Maddie get out of the car? Well, what they are purporting is that an argument ensued and she said, let me out of the car. I'm just going to grab an Uber. And she did get out of the car. 
And unfortunately, she never made it into an Uber because she was hit. It was a hit and run, and she died from her injuries. That's what they are purporting. They let her out of the car because she asked to be out of the car. Now, if they if that's true, we don't know, obviously. If they hadn't let her out of the car when she demanded to get out of the car, then, yeah, they probably would be in a lot of trouble. If a girl says, let me out of here, and you don't let her out, and, they say, and you say, no, we're just going to take you somewhere else, she could argue that she was kidnapped at that point, right? So they let her out of the car. And then they find out that this girl gets hit by a car and now they are all being tried for rape. And I want to make sure that it is clear to you what that sentence carries. Again, it's the 17-year-old boy and an 18-year-old boy who are being charged with this. It carries a mandatory life sentence in prison. No parole in Louisiana. No parole if, you are, if they are convicted of rape. A 17-year-old and 18-year-old, the rest of their lives will be ruined. A lot of questions here. A lot of conversations to be had about this. I find myself wondering, and I don't know the answer to this, so I want to be very clear because I just think this is a tragedy all around, but I'm wondering if in the absence of somebody to actually blame for her death, you drove this car, you hit her, and now she's dead. If the community is just so outraged that they're just going, anyone, shut down the bar, make these guys go to prison for the rest of their life for rape, We just need to all sort of absolve ourselves of this community guilt that we feel that this girl lost her life. Is that what's going on? Is that plausibly what's going on? I'm wondering why we are not being told about the level of alcohol in these guys' systems as well, because it it matters, right? If she's not sober and she can't consent, what if they're also not sober? You're talking about a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old. Are they able to understand and discern what they're doing? Does that not matter to people? Is, is it always the case? I mean, she, she would be older than the people that she had sex with. Is it always the case that it is the man that is left saying, okay, well, you're the one that really messed up because you're the guy? Again, these are very tough questions, but they're important ones to ask, very important for us to ask and to want answers for because it's not justice to just be angry. We have to also be rational. I'm all, uh, rational. And I'm unsure, by the way, that we fix this, this situation of people that are binge drinking, like I did. Again, not absolving myself from that same experience when I was in college. But I'm unsure that we absolve ourselves of this because we lack we lock up to teenagers, right? Does, does, does everyone just get better? Is there more of a conversation that needs to be had? I think we actually need to answer this question. If everybody is drinking and everyone is under the influence, right, How do we discern who is at fault when something horrific and tragic happens? How much responsibility do the parties bear? This, again, is a devastating case. I pray for her family, pray for her mother, pray for her stepfather, uh, pray for her siblings, pray for every person that is involved in this uh, because it is, obviously, it's affected me in reading it. And I think one element of this that is definitely playing out in the media is just, like I said, how innocent she looks. She looks fun. She looks bubbly. She's a beautiful young girl who lost her life on a night that turned absolutely tragic. And then you have the men that are being accused of rape, at least in their mugshots that we're, that we're seeing and that are being circulated on the internet. Um, you know, you have black guys that have dreads. And of course, because they're being featured in a mugshot, you're not seeing them looking like life. They, they, they instantly look like criminals. They do. They look like criminals. It's a mugshot that's being purported that's being circulated around the internet, that's being perpetuated, rather. And I'm wondering how that is playing in the conscience. Because despite how emotional, 
rightfully emotional, despite how rightfully angry, despite how rightfully outraged the community is, we do still have to be sensible. We do still need to open up the conversation about binge drinking in general. And I'm hopeful that my audience will start that conversation. Let's foster it. Again, bless her family. And that's all I have to say about that. It can be tough to stick to your New Year's resolutions. You set out with lofty goals, stick to them for about two weeks, and then you fall right back into your old habits. Lucky for you, I have a goal that you can accomplish today. Complete your will and do it with Epic Will. For just $119 in as little as five minutes, Epic Will can help you create your last will and testament, your living will, and even healthcare power of attorney. Their step-by-step online form makes it incredibly easy. All you have to do is fill in the blanks. I cannot stress enough how important it is to get this done, especially now when the left has declared a war on your values, your religion, your way of life. You need to have a will in place to ensure that your investments and your family are taken care of in the event that something happens to you. 50% of Americans do not have a will. Choose today to be in the smarter half. Go to epicwill.com and use promo code Candice to save 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. That's epicwill.com, promo code Candice. Okay, now it's time for some topics du jour. So a lot of world leaders overseas who have been classified by our CIA as terrorists, some of them dead, some of them alive, accuse America of all sorts of crimes. One of them being that we are creating viruses in labs and we're releasing those viruses so that we can then profit via vaccines. One such example of what I'm talking about is Muammar Gaddafi. You remember him. He, we used to like him. We were really cool with him for a while. He was invited to speak in front of the U.N. at the General Assembly, and he made similar allegations against the United States. I'll quote directly what he said in this speech. He said, today there is swine flu. Perhaps tomorrow there will be fish flu. Because sometimes we produce viruses by controlling them. It is a commercial business. Capitalist companies produce viruses so that they can generate and sell vaccinations. That is very shameful and poor ethics. Vaccinations in medicine should not be sold. Update, we killed him. We did. In fact, NATO did. And what we did was we funded the rebels against him. And then we watched him die on camera. And then Hillary Clinton said, whoop woo he's dead. And then the CIA told us that. I know we said that he was fine, but now he is a terrorist. And if you question that, in fact, even if you read what he said verbatim in his speech, they can call you a terrorist sympathizer. So there you go. And then I guess a more recent example, of course, would be Vladimir Putin. When all of this outbreak of war began in Ukraine and Russia, he said in his speeches, which you're not allowed to read, by the way, if you read them, you're a terrorist sympathizer, that America is operating a bunch of bioterrorist cells, a bunch of labs, bio labs, so to speak, which he believes they are creating viruses and they are killing people. Sounds like a crazy conspiracy theory. If you even talk about it again, you are a terrorist. So let's not quote Munar Gaddafi. Let's not quote Vladimir Putin, lest we be sympathizing with terrorists and war criminals. Let's instead quote Pfizer. Let's quote people at Pfizer. And that's exactly what Project Veritas has done. And James O'Keefe, who is a friend, and I cannot express enough how much good Project Veritas is doing for America by going undercover and by getting these Pfizer executives to speak about what they are doing. They've done it again. They've gone undercover and they got Jordan Tristan Walker, who is an executive claiming that his company is exploring a way to mutate COVID via directed evolution to preempt the development of future vaccines. 
Wow, that sounds like almost exactly what those crazy terrorists overseas are saying. But let's just be sure here. Let's hear this Pfizer executive in his own words. Take a listen. Pfizer ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID? Well, that is not what we say to the public. No, don't tell anyone this. You got to publish your own time. You know how the virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well, one of the things we're exploring is like, why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can preemptively develop new vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're going to do that, though, there's a risk of like, as you could imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating fucking viruses. be like very controlled to make sure that this virus that you mutate doesn't create something like, you know, it goes everywhere. Something crazy. Is the way that the virus started in Wuhan. To be honest, like it's, it makes no sense if this virus popped out of nowhere. Like, or you're not supposed to do gain function research with the viruses. Like, yeah, they recommend not. But you do like these like selected threshold mutations to try to see if you can make more potent. Yeah. So there, there is research I'm learning about that. I don't know how that's gonna work. There not be any more outbreaks. Just like Jesus Christ. Okay. for all government officials. It's pretty good for the industry, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's bad for everyone else in America. <laughs> I'm laughing like he's like he's just had his first glass of wine, like a little schoolgirl. He just had his first glass of wine discussing the fact that government officials are in and out of Pfizer and that there are discussions that are taking place at Pfizer about mutating the virus. And, oh, you know, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, come on. Obviously, something happened in Wuhan. But like, you know, we're not doing gain of function per se, but we are exploring making the viruses more potent. This person is an executive at Pfizer. And you know what's going to happen to him? Nothing. Nothing at all. Because we exist under the greatest cartel in the entire world, the big pharma cartel. It is our government locking arms with pharmaceutical executives. These are glorified drug dealers that are making people sicker by demanding they take their drugs, socialist style. You don't have a say. And this isn't the free market operating when I send your kid to school, roll up your sleeve and give him a COVID vaccine. I don't care if it causes myocarditis. We'll censor that information. If you speak out against it, God forbid, you are called an anti-vaxxer. I wear that as a badge of honor because I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm anti-medical corruption. And that's exactly what is happening in this country. And people have tried to tell us for years that this is what is going on in our country. This is one of the pitfalls of extreme capitalism. Do you want to know what happens? When people become extreme capitalists, they become socialists. That's what happens. People that make it by selling stuff realize, what if we can control the market by demanding that there is a market, by not giving people an option? That's exactly what's happening right now. And people are understandably outraged, and they should be outraged, and we should be grateful We should be grateful that people that work for Project Veritas are brave enough to go undercover and to do these sorts of things. But you should be more outraged at the fact that there is an entire ecosystem that will continue to protect this. Republicans and Democrats alike do not think this is one side versus the other. Big Pharma lines all of their pockets. It is outrageous that people are not being given a choice as to whether or not they want to have a vaccine. In 2020 and 2021 America, there was a lawsuit that had to come out to block OSHA from being able to govern the bodies of people that work in the workplace. Think it was just going to start with COVID? Nope. They were predicting profits. There's a spreadsheet somewhere. How many working individuals? Forget just the school kids. We control their bodies. We got that done. Check. But imagine if we could control the bodies of all working adults. We start with COVID. We start with just one pandemic. And then we say, oh, here's another one. And now you don't just have to get the COVID vaccine. You've got to get this vaccine. 
maybe swine flu, fish flu. We got to all get that vaccine. If you want to work, you want to go to school, if you want to learn, we have no autonomy over our bodies. You call this a free country? I'm not sure. Anyways, just want to, again, commend the Project Veritas team for all of their brave work. And what they've done has just been so tremendous. And we should support them in every capacity that we can. Moving on, you guys, wanted to give you a, an update, just a quick update here regarding the Idaho story, which we've covered on this show. Brian Koberger, a PhD student in criminology at Washington State, has been arrested and he is facing a ton of charges, of course, for killing the four victims as they were sleeping. Now, a weird update to the story is one of the victims, her name is was Zana Kernodal, and her mother has spoken out. Her name is Kara Northington, saying that the lawyer, one of the lawyers that is representing killer Brian Koberger, used to represent her. That's a, just a bizarre connection. She was at the time being represented by the lawyer for various drug charges. This woman is an admitted drug addict, and she was being represented by lawyer Ann Taylor, who is the chief public defender of the county. She is speaking out saying that she is heartbroken by this because she has obviously trusted this woman. She was her lawyer in the past, her public defender in the past, and now this woman is defending a person who is being accused, I should say alleged, killer of her daughter. So I just wanted to provide that because it's a random twist in this story. Although people are coming out and saying that it's only because there's such a limited amount of public defenders in Idaho. Taylor is just one of 13 of them. So perhaps that is the reason that they have selected her to represent Brian Koberger. We will keep an eye on that story. We will continue following it. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then you have to check out Pure Talk. Pure Talk is the antidote to woke wireless companies. It is proudly veteran-owned, employs a U.S.-based customer service team, and absolutely refuses to spend money on fake news networks. Not to mention Pure Talk's service is fantastic. They're one of the largest networks in the country. You can get blazing fast data, talk, and text for as low as $30 a month. That's probably half of what you're paying at Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Switch over to PureTalk in as little as 10 minutes while keeping your phone and your phone number. Your first month is guaranteed risk-free. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with the service, you're going to get your money back. This year, make it a goal to support companies who support you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code OWENS to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code OWENS. PureTalk is simply smarter wireless. Moving on, you guys, to something a little more lighthearted because this has been a very dark episode. It's Friday. It's crime stories. I want to take you to a different kind of crime scene, and it is the apartment of Julia Fox. Reminding you who Julia Fox is, you guys, she is the woman who dated Kanye West for about a week and is now stretching it into a career. She doesn't care. She's right. was was writing, is writing a book about their little romantic. I'm saying it's a week. I'm being hyperbolic in a sense. Maybe it was two months tops. But yeah, this is now she's got quite a following on TikTok. She gets millions of views for doing and saying all types of weird stuff because TikTok is a place for weird people. She fits right in. And this time she decided to show her apartment, show them around her New York City apartment, which she claims is tiny because she doesn't like excessive displays of wealth, which makes sense because, you know, she dated Kanye West and he gifted her tons of Balenciaga, which I guess is cheap. Take a listen. Okay, I never thought in a million years that I would do this, but I do believe in maximum transparency. 
And so I'm gonna give you guys an apartment tour. And this is my kitchen area. Don't judge me. I know, oh, cotton candy machine. I know it's really messy. I also have shoe boxes in the kitchen, which is very common for New Yorkers. This is Valentino's room. Um, I put the most effort in this room, I think. I put a little loft and I really wanted him to have a cute room. However, he does not hang out in here at all. He only wants to be in mama's room. He like doesn't even sleep in there. He sleeps in bed with me. Yeah, we're co-sleepers, sue me, I don't care. Anyway, that's the whole apartment. And we're back in this room. For me personally, I just, I don't like excessive displays of wealth. They make me feel it, icky, um, you know, especially people that have really big houses. It's just really wasteful when there's so many homeless people in this country. And like, I just, I'm, I'm not really like that. Um, and uh, yeah, we do have a little uh, small mouse problem, but you know, it, it's a, it's a problem depending on how you look at it. You know, I kind of let them rock. I appreciate that they, um, at night while we're sleeping, come out and clean up the crumbs that my son drops on the floor. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to evict the mice anytime soon. Um, yeah. And I think that's pretty much uh, before I forget, these are my sisters, Jonna and Harmony. Okay. So the first thing that I'm going to say is that there's nothing objectively wrong with living in a tiny apartment in Manhattan. Been there, done that. She said she's in New York, lived there seven years of my life. Never have I ever lived like she lives. Uh, she's absolutely making up the fact that people have a bunch of shoes in their kitchen. Are you kidding me? I've never seen that once in my seven years of living in Manhattan. Have I ever seen that? I was born in New York. My entire family lives in New York. No one keeps shoes in their kitchen. She's an absolute slob. That's the truth. doesn't matter how much money you have, rich or poor, to live like she lives. She is a slob. That's just what it is. And she's trying to wear it like a, like a badge of honor and to show that she's virtuous. And she's just like you, TikTokers. She doesn't clean her room. She has shoes in her kitchen. She's completely disorganized. And it's just so unambitious. And she's dressing it up as virtuous because she doesn't like she doesn't like when people show off their walls. She's so grossed out by big houses. That's a lie. That's absolutely a lie. Was she so grossed out when she was dating Kanye West by big houses and by wealth when he was gifting her with all that Balenciaga? No. Why don't you tell the truth, Julia? You're a bit dirty. You're a bit of a slob. And at the moment right now, you can't afford anything more than this apartment, which is fine. You're not needing to afford something bigger than that apartment. But by the way, the apartment is nice. It's just her stuff in it that is disgusting. If she gave it a good clean and kept it organized, and, and if she maybe just read chapters one through three of Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules, she may have a different outlook on life. But I will guarantee you all the comments telling her that she's so brave and people are sharing their disgusting bedrooms and being like, I haven't cleaned my room in three years. Thank you for letting me know that it's normal. It's normal not to clean your bedroom. Thank you so much, Julie. You're so relatable. I love it. Because that is the world that we live in today. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it. Next portion of the show is going to be available exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. I'm going to be reading your comments plus answering your questions. So if you're not a member yet, go ahead and click the link in the description and subscribe right now. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.